0: Today's Locked On Nationals podcast is brought to you by Built Bar. And Built Bar, guys, let me tell you something. This is the best-tasting sports bar out there. But not only that, Built Bar has what's called Built Boost, and it's like one of those injection things you put in your water. Uh, I've been using them over the last week or so. I've been full of energy. I've felt really great. It's helped me get through my workouts. It's a good pre-workout, post-workout. Really enjoyed that. So check them out at BuiltBar.com. All right, folks, now it's time. This is part eight of our 2019 Nationals Rewatch, game one and game two of the 2019 World Series. Connor Jones and myself, Josh Neighbors, breaking that down next.
1: 3-2 to Suzuki. Kurt Suzuki, see you later! The Nats have won it! Seven runs in the bottom of the night! this is deep to center field bellinger's back it's a grand slam howie kendrick with a tenth inning
2: grand slam to break it open the former dodger breaking hearts of los angeles the kick in here it comes swing and a miss swing and a miss swing and a miss and a world series game seven winning curly in the books. The celebration is on. The Washington Nationals are the
1: world champions. You are listening to the Locked On Nationals podcast, your one stop shop for news, analysis, and conversation surrounding your reigning undisputed World Series champion, Washington Nationals. Now, here's your host, Josh Neighbors.
0: My name is Josh Neighbors, and this is the Lockdown Nationals podcast. It is part number eight of our 2019 Nationals rewatch. We have finally made it to the World Series. We're going to do World Series games number one and two tonight. Joining me on the phone to talk about it is my good friend, Connor Jones. Connor, we're finally here to the World Series, and um, watching World Series game one and two, I just think that so many of the things that we talked about through the entire— like, this this was kind of the point of this, Right is that a lot of the things that you and I saw in the earlier rewatches came to bear in this World Series. And my headline heading into this was the two best teams, without a doubt, were competing for the World Series. And I I think that the Astros and the Nationals, it wasn't one of those scenarios like it was Warriors-Rockets where that really felt like the finals a couple years ago. this was the legitimate best two teams squaring off in the Fall Classic.
3: Yeah, it, it was one where it felt like a heavyweight fight, and I think you could say the same thing if the Dodgers were in the series. If you look at how these teams played you know, the last four months of the regular season, those three franchises ran away with the best records in baseball to the point where it's like the Nats may not have the best uh, record comparable to the Astros or Dodgers, but you feel like they're a team that's playing on the level of those two teams. And to me, it felt like those three teams were playing at a higher level than anybody else with the Yankees just behind. So I agree. It's, you kind of got to the world series and you felt like you had the two right teams that deserved to be there that uh, you you felt like you weren't uh, missing out on one of the, on maybe a a true contender. Like maybe you've felt in past baseball playoffs, just because certain teams uh, can lose a quick five game series that, to an opponent that they're much better than. And some people would say the Dodgers may be better than the Nats, but I think it's close enough where where you can at least argue that you had two of the best three teams in the league uh, playing in the final series of the year.
0: Yeah, and and look, I, you know, they even showed that statistic, uh, I believe, right before, I forget what the record was, but I saw it on the Fox graphic going back on the rewatch, and it was something ridiculous. It was like the record since May 24th, you know, I mean, at least 40 games over 500, I believe it was. Um, both these teams had a cooking. To get to this point, you remember, you know, and it was not an easy road for the Astros. I mean, they had a really competitive um, divisional series against the Tampa Bay, uh, against Tampa Bay Rays. And then, obviously, they had, they had that Yankee series um, as well, too. They ended up winning in six games. So they come into this game. It's Garrett Cole on the mound. He's going up against Max Scherzer. Cole since May twenty seventh, nineteen and 1.59 ERA, two hundred fifty eight Ks, just a thirty nine walks. Um, daunting, but you know, I think heading into this, if anybody was just going to beat you purely off, like if there was going to be one guy, I felt like I was just going to beat the Nationals, it was going to be Cole. And early on, it was it was apparent that the Nationals. We're just gonna keep doing what they had always done, Connor. And that's put up competitive bats. But heading into it, it felt like that, you know, out of all the pitchers in the league, this was a guy who could really shut the lights off against the lineup of the Nationals that had been um, formidable for you know the entire season.
3: I think Garrett Cole, uh, he's a guy where you definitely could see him dominating a game and putting the Astros up one to zero. I think that what kind of got lost to a lot of people is that Scherzer and Strasberg is an equivalent duo, if not a little bit better than Cole and Verlander, in my opinion. When it comes to who I, I'm obviously biased, who I'd want on the mound for those games, I would definitely say uh, Scherzer's the guy I want out there over Garrett Cole. Based on what they've been able to do over the course of their careers and the kind of competitor Max is, I, I wasn't afraid of that matchup, feeling like the Nats had, had a shorter hand there. Um, that's not to disrespect what Cole can do, but I think when you look at the, the one and two, that the Nats had and the one and two, the Astros had that there's a reason each time that, that those guys matched up overall during the course of the series, which I think was three times out of the seven games that the Nats went three and O over those seven.
0: Today's lockdown nationals podcast is brought to you by built bar. Built bars are the best tasting sports bar out there. It's a protein bar. that tastes like a candy bar, 16 amazing flavors, eight chocolate nut flavors, eight cho- chocolate nut free flavors Bars are covered in 100% chocolate, soft and easy to chew. Built bars are healthy. They're great for health conscious guys. Lose or maintain weight while indulging in a delicious treat. The bars are low calorie, low sugar, high protein, and high fiber. Liver profile peanut butter brownie, 12 grams of protein, 170 calories, 3 grams of sugar, 3 grams of net carbs. And another f- flavor, well, actually, this one's my favorite the mint brownie flavor, 15 grams of protein, 110 calories, 4 grams of sugar, 5 grams of of net carbs right now we have a special offer for you guys go to BuiltBar.com use promo code locked on, and you'll get $10 off your first order use promo code locked on for $10 off at BuiltBar.com also like I mentioned earlier in the show check out that Built Boost guys that stuff is really good they have a bunch of awesome, awesome flavors Pina Colada right now I guess is my favorite also their black cherry lemonade spectacular if you're a mixed lemonade fan like me one more time Use promo code locked on and you'll get $10 off your first order. Use promo code locked on for $10 off at builtbar.com. Yeah, and then start off this game, first inning. Trey Turner gets on, but Garrett Cole's able to work out of it. You go to the bottom of the first. Runners on first and second. Uh, Max is grunting louder than usual. The Astros are making him work. And I thought th- I thought what was apparent from these early innings too, and this is apparent throughout the entire series, is how stacked these lineups were. And I think it- just kind of a natural look at it, the, the more stacked lineup was the Astros. But then you, you go back and you look at the Nationals and just the way the team was hitting. Um, and like we talked about in the last game, you know, with, with uh, in the NLDS game five, always mess that up. We go back and you look at that, and we talked about how professional and how good the Nationals at-bats were. But, you know, you go to this, this first inning, and, I mean, they really make sure their work. And, um, you know, you can hear him, him grunting uh, very audibly, very loud. Um, runners get the first and third. Opponents are 0 for 17 with runners in scoring position against Max at this point. But then Gur- Gurriel doubles off the wall to Astros. They did a really good job, I thought, on rewatch in that first inning of getting to Max early. And that's a spot where you can get to him.
2: Here's the one-two. And Yule lines this one deep to left center, going back as Soto still going back, looking up. That is off the wall. Springer scores, Altuve scores, Gurriel in the second, a two-run double, two to nothing Astros.
3: Yeah, I'm going to say that it was a tough first inning. I'm going to say that that ball that Gurriel hit off of the the fence in left center field. I've seen Scherzer put that that fastball up and in a good amount of times over the course of his Nationals career, and I have never seeing a hitter due to that pitch what Yuli Gurriel did. So I'll leave it to the listeners to figure out how the Astros were able to do that. <laughs> um, but besides that, yeah, I, I agree. It was a tough first inning for Max, but I think it says a lot that he came back and he settled down. It's something we saw a lot over the course of the postseason with both, both Scherzer and Strasburg. But you know you can get to those guys early and if you're going to that's that's where you got to do it and they were able to do that there and put themselves up and when you're going against cole and you're already down two zero you don't feel good about that at all
0: and that's where it comes in top of the second inning zerman takes a one one fastball deep two one nats
3: here's the wide
2: of the pitch swing and a drive hit well deep center field way back goes springer to the warning track looking up and it is gone goodbye Bang! Zoom goes the Z-Man.
0: Really good job by Zerman of getting on that pitch. And um you know, we we'll obviously they talked about how much of a high fastball pitcher that Garrett Cole is. It's kind of his pitch. He loves the fastball. Good job by Zerman there. 2-1. That was huge because that 2-0 lead with a guy like Garrett Cole, it does feel a lot more like four or five um than it does against a normal pitcher, right?
3: Yeah, I, I was in a pretty pretty bad mood at the end of the first inning. Got my postmates <laughs> delivery. Zerman goes deep. So you're starting to feel a little bit better. Um, it's, a, it's a high fastball from Garrett Cole there. And, I, th- and the Nats are a high fastball hitting team. We saw it in the, the wildcard game against Milwaukee where they really want to attack that pitch. And sometimes if you can get it a little bit higher than high, you can, you can make them chase and get them out there. But Cole had a few at the, at the letters where he saw Soto do it later, Zerman do it here. Uh, even, at, even at his age, Zerman can still catch up to the high fastball.
0: Yeah, and, and it was an excellent job getting that high fastball driving out of the park. One thing, too, as I work through my notes here, you know, bottom second, bottom third, both guys are working a lot of the time with men on base, and I think that speaks to what we were talking about earlier with how good both these lineups are, even against elite pitching. Two of the best guys clearly in the league. Um, you know, the, I thought both lineups did a really good job of putting pressure on the opposing pitcher. I mean, these guys, you know, you look at the ending stat lines, Scherzer only goes 5 innings, strikes out 7, gives up 2 runs. Cole goes 7 innings, gives up 5 runs, but these guys had to work the entire night with runners on base.
3: Yeah, I sometimes what may get lost in the the fact of how great the starting pitchers are in a matchup like this is still how good the hitters are in the lineups for both of these mm. teams. I mean, you you have two lineups of players that aren't going to let Scherzer or Cole just run through them. I mean, they're going to they're going to battle they're confident hitters, they're gonna they're gonna put up good at bats and make those guys work. And I think that's what makes for, for more of an exciting game. I mean, you have you have real back and forth with with those pitchers that in a lot of games that Sures are a cold start, you might not. I mean, they there's plenty of times where they're able to just to go one, two, three, one, two, three against lineups But when you're working against guys like this. I mean, if they're gonna be successful, they're gonna have to work in and out of jams because more times than not, these hitters are still gonna put some pressure on you.
0: Top four, um, Juan Soto goes deep on oh, a fastball that I swear to God, Connor, you go back and you watch this replay. They had to go to the third angle of it, uh, the infield camera, to actually get the ball on camera. He hits this ball so hard uh, and he hits it up one the train tracks in left field, another high fastball that it's out of the screen when they flip from Soto at bat to where, you know, to the field when they show the ball going deep. You never see the ball come down this was a tape measure home run
2: the 10 swinging a fly ball well hit to left field way back goes this one it's got a chance it's going going and long gone up onto the railroad tracks welcome to the World Series one Soto Nationals tie the game at two as Juan Soto goes opposite field for a tape measure home run onto the railroad tracks
3: yeah it was an absurd display of opposite field power there I mean that's one where I mean it was it was so high you're, you're absolutely right to describe it as a tape measure shot i remember i think it was hitting coach kevin long for the nats was saying before that game to members of the media that he expected juan soto to hit a home run off of garrett cole that day and reasoning why is going to get back to the point about the high fastballs that cole's a a high fastball pitcher and that's a that's probably the best pitch for guys in this nationals lineup to hit so um just like we saw at zimmerman Soto was able to get a ball up there, get on top of it, and and really hit it a long way.
0: Bottom of the fourth, Max puts two on base, but he's able again to work out of it. Top of the fifth, and let's make a note here, this game feels very wide open at this point. I actually did, you know, it feels very wide open, but I actually started to feel a lot better about the national position because all other guys on base, you felt like Scherzer was in a position where he was he was able to work out of it um, with relative consistency since that first inning where he, you know, he got off to a rough start. The question at this point is, how long is he going to be able to go? And the answer was only five innings. But we get to the top of the fifth. Walk, single, fly ball. Spanky Eaton single. 3-2 Nationals.
1: That's into right field. A base hit. Into score, Suzuki. And the Nationals are on top. A walk, a single,
0: a fly ball. And now a base hit by Adam Eaton. Connor, this is the first time Garrett Cole had trailed since September 2nd. Um, pretty unbelievable stuff, but that, that was a pretty, that was, we talk about how professional the Nats lineup is. This is just old school, small ball. It was 2015 Royals. It was walk single. Like I said, fly ball and Spanky Eaton single great stuff by the nationals, moving the line, keeping things going, situational hitting at its finest.
3: Yeah. And this was really the start of a fantastic world series for Spanky Eaton overall, putting the Nats on top here in the fifth. He had a lot more great moments at the plate to help the Nationals win games. It's it's huge for him to come through there and then um, the way that Juan Soto is able to follow it up later in that inning to to really do the damage and put the Nats ahead and then give them an opportunity to use their best arms out of the bullpen. It's pretty critical to strike then and there if you're the Nats and you're going up against Garrett Cole because you know Scherzer's, Scherzer's about to be done for the night. Cole's going to, be based on pitch counts, is going to be able to go deeper into the game. So that favors the Astros. So you kind of feel like, as you get into the later innings, you kind of need to be working from ahead if you're going to have a good chance to win that game.
0: Yep, later in the inning, like you said, first and third, Soto goes off the wall, drives in two runs on a 3-2 pitch, makes it 5-2 DC, so a bit of a cushion there. First and third, two out.
2: Swung on, hit in the inner left field. Brantley going back against the Crawford boxes off the wall, bounces by him back toward the infield. Robles is scored. Rounding third is Rendon. He comes in to score on a booming double off the left field wall by Juan Soto. He's driven in three runs in the game. The Nationals have scored three runs in the top of the fifth inning.
0: Scherzer uh, in that bottom of the fifth, his first one, two, three inning. So his last inning, Five innings, seven strikeouts, two uh, three walks, two runs given up there on those five hits. Bottom of the sixth, Patrick Corbin comes in, gives up one hit but no harm. You know, I, I love the usage of him here, Connor, as a bridge, right? I mean, th- this, this was an excellent spot to put Corbin in, to use him as a bridge to the back of the bullpen. You know, as opposed to bringing in somebody you might not trust too early, give the ball to Corbin. He does give up a hit, but he gets two strikeouts and gets out of the inning.
3: Yeah, bringing, bringing Corbin in in the sixth is almost something you have to do there. Um, the Nats really weren't comfortable going to their regular members of the bullpen unless they were able to get through seven innings and then get to, to Hudson and Doolittle. But if Scherzer only goes five you, and you have a lead, you don't really have a choice to get to, uh, but to go to Corbin because you basically have two innings before you can get to the guys you're comfortable with. Corbin was going to be used out of the bullpen. It was kind of the plan all postseason, and he's able to get you through one there. I remember at the time hoping that they were going to push Corbin for two and then right. push him back further in the series to game four. I was thinking, or it, which they ended up doing, starting him in game four, but I was thinking you know, if you're going to start him in game four, you might as well try and get two out of him here. So that's that was something that, that I was thinking and hoping for at that time. They decided to pull him after one. Uh, but at least you're able to, to shorten the game a little bit with one of your best options.
0: Yeah, I was, I was in lockstep with you because to go bottom seven, Tanner Rainey comes in and gives us a home run to George Springer.
2: George Springer leads off the This is blasted left center. That ball's got a chance. If it's high enough, it is! A home run to Springer! And now it's Nationals 5, Astros 3.
0: You know, really good game. Uh, two hits, two RBI in this game, including that solo home run. He walked twice as well, too. Uh, A really impressive night for him in a losing effort. Um, But, yeah, with Tanner Rainey, not a great night for him. He gives up the home run, back-to-back walks at that point, and Daniel comes in, bases loaded, two outs, and uh, gets the K against Jordan Alvarez. A massive moment there for the Nationals. Daniel Hudson coming in and getting the job done.
3: Yeah, it is. That's kind of was his role all year, um, putting out the fire, but like I said, that's why I wanted Corbin to throw a seventh inning. Tanner Rainey did not to pile on because he's a right. guy with a lot of talent that can really help, but Tanner Rainey did what you're risking him doing by bringing him into that game in the seventh inning with a lead. He got wild. He gave up the the long ball, and it 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 really it was really costly, and it almost cost him the game. But Daniel Hudson did a good job stepping up in that inning and, and getting out of a huge jam just as, just as the Nats were kind of able to do all night.
0: Bottom of the eighth, Springer drives and Tucker the ball that was a foot away in right field from being gone. I mean, I I don't know if it did, but it looked like it almost hit off the glove of Adam Eaton off the wall, 5-4 at that point.
1: And Springer drives it pretty deep to right
2: center field. Going back on it is Eaton at the wall. He leaves, and that ball is off the wall. Tucker races to third base. He's around third, and coming home, there will be no throw to the plate. It's an RBI double for Springer, and it's 5-4
0: Nationals. They bring in Sean Doolittle in that spot. He's able to finish off the inning. That was the right spot to bring him in. They had to extend him a little, you know, little over the normal one inning, but good job by them. Sean Doolittle, only Nats pitcher that did not give up, uh, not give up a hit. Nets offense was pretty quiet here in the back end of the game. That's, not, that's why we haven't talked about it very much. But in the bottom of the ninth, Doolittle, K, fly ball, fly ball, final is 5-4 Nationals. Uh, I think best role player here, Connor, I, lo- I Sean Doolittle. He, he came in there and had the impo- – you know, not impossible job, but, but the job of holding off an offense that seemed like it was surging a bit. And on a night where the entire team – all your pitchers, the previous uh, four pitchers had all given up at least one hit in their you know, their time, Doolittle was able to shut the door and actually gave them that, that closing of the door in, in the eighth inning as well too – so I think he's, he was the Deion Waiters' uh, best role-player award right there.
2: Two little sets. He kicks, he delivers, and a swing and a fly ball left center field. Robles to his right on the run there. He's calling for it, and he makes the catch. And a curly W's in the books. The Nationals take game one of the 2019 World
0: Series. Uh, at a time where the offense was going quiet, and you had to hold the line there.
3: Yeah, it was it was pretty much all about holding on for dear life after the fifth inning in that game. And, Yeah, for sure. Sean Doolittle came in and and really settled things down when they absolutely had to because losing game one here would have been so tough because if you're down 0-1 in Houston, not only did you lose the game, but you also lost a game that you probably should have won and you've burned Corbin, Hudson and Doolittle. And if you're going to burn all three of those guys, you, you can't lose that game because you're so far behind the rest of the series. The Nats are not a team that has pitching depth. They have to win the games where they have their best options on the mound. And fortunately they were able to do that. Sean Doolittle kind of set the tone, not just for that game, but was able to, to give the Nats a huge leg up in the series. Cause that outing, uh, those final four outs were, were far more critical than just deciding one game. That could have been, it could have been potentially disastrous if they were able to lose that. one.
0: My notes post game, just the three words I thought of gutsy, hard nose and Juan Soto man. I mean, Soto three for four, three RBI in this game. Uh, he kind of did it all. I mean, this was really the beginning of what was a phenomenal World Series for him.
3: Yeah, you look at offensively. The two guys that had the best night, the only two guys with multiple hits are Adam Eaton and Juan Soto, and and they, weren't, and they didn't cool off the rest of the series either. They were able to keep it going. Eventually, Anthony Rendon was able to, to get it going too, and it shows you what that top and middle of the order can do for you, even if the guys at the back weren't able to bring um, much scoring threat to the table.
0: All right, so that brings us now game two. So the Nationals here, you know, you've already got that game one, like you said, at, at, on the road. It was really important. And at least you know at this point you have snagged home field advantage. Um, you're going to be going home with that one game in your back pocket. In theory, and we know how this ends up, but in theory, I mean, you could have, you know, if you go on a big run, you could end things at home or put yourself in a position, you know, to all you have to do is just win one of the next two at on the road. So kind of in this sense, I mean – I know you like to grab game two, and they did, but they're already kind of at a mission accomplished type setting, right, Connor?
3: Yeah, I think if you come back 1-1 with Houston coming home, I would take that every, every time going into the series. If that was the deal and you could start at game three with a 1-1, I'd, I'd take that for sure. Um, you're kind of playing with house money. You feel like turns out that wasn't the case, but you feel that way um, coming into game two there where you feel like you got one on the road. And then you have Strasburg. And, and Verlander going, so you feel like it's it's still a little bit of a toss-up game. Um, you feel mm. like maybe you have a chance with, um, with Stephen on the mound. And, and it, it was kind of a, a similar game to, to Game 1 for a while.
0: Locked on Nationals podcast would like to thank Postmates for their support. Uh, not sure if you guys know this. Live sports coming back this week. UFC 249 in Jacksonville, Florida. Um, not in front of fans, social distancing will be occurring, but live sports is back. There will be wings, there will be beer, and uh, the only way to get those things in a safe and timely manner is Postmates. If you're like me, you're probably thinking about what to eat for dinner while you're eating lunch. I love food and beer, and that's why I love using Postmates. But I kind of love them even more right now because I can get food without leaving the house or even opening the door. Given what's going on in the world with COVID-19, They've created non-contact deliveries. So when I order from local restaurants, right? Yeah, I mean, it started off really weird, you know, and like you said, Strasburg versus Merlander. This game starts off with a Turner walk, single Rendon double, 2-0 Nationals
1: opportunity for the Nationals and that's in the left. Well hit and off the run. It bounces away, and two runs are going to score. What a start for the Nationals. Booming
2: double by Tony Bags, his fifth two-base hit of the postseason. He drives in his eighth and ninth runs of the postseason.
0: Um, and this thing could have been a little bit worse, but Verlander is able to settle in and get out of that. But you feel really good about it. Strasburg, 1.10 ERA and six postseason starts. But um, this, this first bottom of the first inning is really interesting for the Astros because Altuve gets on and he tries to grab third and Suzuki throws him out. And Brantley then singles after that, which would have scored the run there, and then Bregman crushes the home run to make it 2-2. It
2: brings up Alex Bregman hitting two thirty one with a home run and four RBIs this postseason.
1: There it goes! He's back!
0: so this was a chance where you know you gave up an out there and you also gave up a run this thing could have been a little bit worse than nationals if it weren't for an excellent throw and a great tag by by Suzuki Torrendo
3: yeah they this both pitchers first of all got jumped um in the first right. inning uh two when you have pitchers like that like we've said before, that's probably your best chance to get to him. Both teams were able to do that. That play by Suzuki—he's a guy at the plate who had a overall pretty brutal series. I think it was one for twenty, but his impact, most of all, was seen in this in this game where he was able to make that defensive play. And then we'll get to the home run later. But uh, that that play by Suzuki limited the damage and was able to keep things tied up for. For the next couple hours.
0: Yeah, and that's kind of where we get to. You know, this game, it... it, Stalls is the wrong word, because there was traffic. But, you know, you get through kind of um, the fourth inning and the bottom of the fourth. Strasburg, uh, two Ks to to get out of that inning with some runners on base. Six strikeouts through four. And then the bottom of the sixth, Strasburg works out of runners on second and third. Nasty K to end the inning. That breaking ball was really, really working in this game.
3: Yeah, Strasburg... I mean, how many, how many postseason starts are you going to look at? The number of runs scored after the first inning against him are just absolutely minuscule. I've right. said it when we've talked about other games where he's kind of like a freight train, where he, he picks up steam and momentum as the game goes, and he gets tougher and tougher to hit. He just becomes flat-out dominant by the time the game, gets, the game gets later, and that's what happened here. He gets, uh, he gets comfortable with all of his pitches, so if you're going to get to him, you kind of have to get to him before he's found it all.
0: Yeah, and that sixth inning, that was it for him. Six innings, pitched seven strikeouts, the one home run given up, one walk, two earned runs total. Uh, A good outing for him. Like you said, the freight train kind of just started, and and it kept on rolling. And then we get to the top of the seventh. Suzuki with a bomb over the Crawford boxes. Um, That shot was – and for a guy who was hitting, I I saw the graphic, it was .080 on the postseason so far. That was a tank and a much-needed one.
2: Has never had a postseason home run. Swinging so a long drive, left field. He's got one now. Kurt Suzuki gives the Nationals the lead. That one above the Crawford boxes. Kurt Suzuki's first career postseason home run, and the Nationals lead the Astros three to two here in the seventh
1: inning.
3: Yeah, if if there's going to be a good time for Kurt Suzuki to get his one hit of the series, that was it. <laughs> um, a, a much-needed home run where the Nats were in an interesting bullpen situation where they'd used up Corbin and, and Hudson and Doolittle the night before. So what do you do? It's a tie game. How aggressive do you want to try and get with it to get 2-0 and, and maybe wear those guys out even more for the rest of the series? Kurt Suzuki gives you a lead there, which gives you something to protect, and then obviously things completely snowballed from there.
0: Yeah, things got really uh, really interesting really fast for the, the Houston Astros. Ryan Presley spells Verlander a couple walks. Eden Sacrifice moves them over. Uh, Soto Intentional walk goes bases loaded. This is where you get to a a weird situation. Ground ball, and it was a tough one by by Kendrick. Bregman duffs it, 4-2 Nationals.
1: Left side, Bregman can't make the play. One more run across for the Nationals, it's 4-2.
0: Then Cabrera single, 6-2 Nationals.
1: That's into center field, and a couple more will score.
0: Cabrera delivers. And it's 6-2 Washington. Wild pitch. Runners advance to 2nd and 3rd. Then Zerman's short chopper that gets thrown. I mean, he would have beat this one out anyway, but gets thrown way off 8-2 Nationals.
1: Breaking ball chop to 3rd. Tough play. Zerman safe. Throw gets away. Two more runs. Cross. Nobody's at second, so Zimmerman slides in, and it's eight-two here in the seventh inning.
0: I mean, this one was just baseball one hundred and one. It was like watching a, a bad little league team out there, Connor. Everything that went that could go wrong for the Astros, it went horribly, horribly wrong for them.
3: It was just—it was an absolute disaster for <laughs> for Houston in that inning. I mean, every—it seemed like every single ball put in play. Somehow found a way, whether it was hard hit or not, to end up positively for the Nats. Ryan Presley had a brutal inning of work. Uh, Some guys, it seemed like there were some guys in the lineup who were just happy to face an an option other than Verlander in that game. They were able to finally uh, do something other than deal with Cole and Verlander and the top arms that that Houston has. But defensively, the Astros kind of melted down there and let things pile on, because I mean, after the Nats had used used up some great pitch, pitching options last or the previous night, you don't know that a two run deficit is going to cost you that game if you're Houston. But when you let it become four, and then six, and then eight, and eventually ten, then you're completely out out of the game, and you're facing a massive uphill climb the rest of the series.
0: Yeah, I mean they they dug themselves into a massive hole. I will say this: Fernando Rodney in the seventh inning comes in. It's only a six run game, right? So I felt like if there was anybody that that could have honestly made a mess of this, it was going to be Fernando Rodney. So I want to applaud him for getting through that editing unscathed. I'm not sure how he felt at the time, but I was. My thing was, look, is eight to two. It was not the guy I wanted. I mean, I know they were out of pitching, right? They're not the guy I wanted to come into the game at that point.
3: I mean, I don't think you can go with. Um, I don't think you can go with an option like one of your top three arms after what happened the previous night with that big of a lead. Maybe there's an argument for bringing in someone else um, other than Rodney in that situation. But Rodney has a lot of experience, which, Mm -hmm. I mean, that doesn't necessarily mean it's always going to be a good outing, even World Series games. And we saw a a game four, I believe it was, in Washington where he got absolutely rocked and was wild and was the Rodney you were completely scared of. But shout out to him for holding it down here because they were able to collectively. The second-tier guys in the bullpen were able to avoid Davy Martinez having to get up a Hudson or a Doolittle, which theoretically would be useful going back home, uh, keeping those guys as fresh as you can. Once again, something that didn't turn out uh, according to plan because that wasn't didn't really end up being helpful at all. But you know, at, at the time, it's a it's a pretty big job by all those guys to be able to go in there and eat up their innings and not make a mess of it.
0: I mean, you're right, Connor. Fernando Rodney has a lot of experience. I would say maybe too much experience. That's a fair um,
3: assessment. I think that a lot of people, <laughs> a lot of Nats fans, including myself, were, were wondering if, if maybe he was too far on the end of experience uh, coming into <laughs> the game.
0: Do you know how old Fernando Rodney is? 43. He is 42 right. at
3: the time of the series.
0: You're exactly right. He just had his 43rd birthday. So, uh, hey. congratulations to Fernando Rodney on hitting that milestone.
3: Yeah, I, that was a quick Google search, by the way, to, to tell you the age, not uh, <laughs> not off the top of my head. But, okay. um, yeah, he's been around the block a time or two. Been in Major League Baseball since the time that, that I was four or five. So, yeah. um, shout out to a phenomenal career for Fernando Rodney. Uh, <laughs> do you want him in a tight game in the World Series in 2019? <laughs> Probably not.
0: Probably not. Uh, no, so that, make, that gets us to the top of eighth. Uh, a two-run tank from Spanky.
3: Oh, place it! first,
2: and Adam Eaton, the batter. And swings and drives, going to deep right. Toward the line, way back. It is gone. Goodbye. Two-run home run for Adam Eaton, speeding around the bases. It's a two-run home run for Adam Eaton. Bang. Zoom goes Adam Eaton, putting the Nationals in double figures. Here in game two of the World Series to the top of the eighth with one out.
0: Uh, he continues. Also, I want to I note that his best moment in this game he has a F me that is like really loud in the third inning. I believe in a pop up he has. Martha,
1: I that. You loud. do?
0: Okay. Because <laughs> it's like very audible. And he's laughing about it afterwards. But it, it was, you could tell Joe Buck kind of goes like sarcastic. Out. But um, yeah, pretty funny. And uh, he pads lead. This one's that, that. That was the icing on the cake. If it wasn't over already, um, that spanky Eden home run making it 10 2. Then Cabrera gets an RBI single late in the inning to go to 11 2. So there you go. And also more icing, Michael A. Taylor. Taylor hits one in the air to left, back at the wall. it is, gone, way,
1: way out of here. His second to this postseason. And Michael A. Taylor has made it 12-2, to Washington.
0: Goes deep in the bottom of the ninth, uh, Martin, or excuse me, top of the ninth. Martin Maldonado has a home run that was kind of just all window dressing. Another big thing, Tanner Rainey bounced back, a nice scoreless inning here. No, it was a low-leverage low moment, but we'll take that, right?
3: Yeah, a uh, couple things there. Adam Eaton reacting to a pop-up like I do an Aaron T-Shot. Um, <laughs> Michael A. Taylor, once again, Michael Michael A. Postseason Taylor, I mean, he saves up the home runs for, for the big games. I know it was out of reach here, but uh, you think back to his Game 5 home run against the Cubs, his Game 4 home run against the Cubs is – uh, game two home run, I believe it was against the Cardinals, and then a, a World Series home run. He's got a he's got a knack for the postseason. And Tanner Rainey, he was able to bounce back. Uh, low rev, low leverage situation, but still good to establish confidence. I mean, he's uh, he has phenomenal stuff. A lot of talent with Tanner Rainey. It's just about harnessing it, and uh, you in that inning, you're able to see the good side of it.
0: Yeah, I would say this one, the Deion Waiters uh, Award for the best. Uh, best performance by a role player.
1: It's got to go to Adam Eaton here. I
0: mean, he had a really nice day with the two RBIs, especially that that tank he had. Did a good job moving the line. Nice sacrifice early in the game that set things up as well, too. So we'll shout out Spanky Eaton with that award. Um, I'd say the headline coming out of this was the more professional-looking team was winning. I mean, once you said it, like you said, it, it was like every ball in play was a gigantic disaster for the Houston Astros. And um, funny enough, they only credited with one error in this game, which is weird. So, yeah, I'd say the more professional, better-looking team. And I mean, how good do the Nationals feel going home with a 2-0 lead?
3: Great. You feel feel like you're in a fantastic spot. It's almost unfathomable to think about what was going to happen in D.C. and then the remainder of the series. Um, You feel like you're in an outstanding spot. You're coming home you have all the momentum, and then they got absolutely punched in the mouth.
0: Uh, Connor, did you order Postmates at any time during the series? and I mean, you wanted to shout out one of our sponsors.
3: Yeah, um, I, think, I think I did uh, game one right before the Ryan Zimmerman <laughs> home run. That's where, that's where I was mentioning that I was starting to cheer up after that, that rough first inning for Scherzer, and then Zimmerman's home run kind of, kind of finished off the process.
0: So are you undefeated? Nationals are undefeated when you order Postmates.
3: It sounds like it. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I'd say, I mean, I could say that they're probably defeated on a on, game series where I order Postmates.
0: Uh, use code locked on for $100 off of free delivery for your first week if, uh, on Postmates. All right, that'll do it for this one. Um, gonna be a completely different mood when you and I come back into the next one, Connor. I mean, we, we're gonna be going for a situation where, wow, did it look bright and sunny here? Up to nothing to. Game six, the Nationals are do or die in that one. And we'll talk about what happens over the next three games. But, man, has there ever been a time where there was more of a shift in momentum uh, that you can remember? I mean, the road team wins every game of the series. But, wow, what a what a steep fall it is. What a steep decline it is from where you and I are talking right now to what actually we'll be talking about here in a couple of days.
3: It was tough scene after tough scene at Nats Park that weekend. Um, yeah, it, like you said, it's just it's pretty – it's pretty surprising oh, and shocking. You were
0: there for all those games. I completely forgot.
3: For a series to turn like that where each team on the road seemed to have more success. But sometimes in baseball you feel you play with less pressure on the road without the home crowd there and the the nervous energy in the stands. But, yeah, it was just not only was it surprising that the Nats lost all three of those games, it was surprising how uncompetitive all three of them were. Right it never really felt like for much of any of them that they had a chance to win. They were battling from way behind the entire time. So that's, uh, you know, you, you come back to DC with all the momentum and you, you go back to Houston, basically extremely thankful for a day off. I remember thinking, I am so glad that game six isn't on Monday. It's it's on Tuesday. There's a day where they don't have to play to, to maybe have some of this wash over. But, but yeah, I mean, can't really think of a series like it.
0: I mean, 17 runs in those first two games, three runs in the next three. I think that kind of tells the entire story, doesn't it?
3: Yeah, you just, I mean, the, the pitching staff doesn't have a chance to win those games when the offense can't score. And yeah. everybody goes cold. And, and with the Nats lineup just the way it is with a lot of lineups out there, it's always huge for them, for the front of the order guys to get on base for that middle of the order. I mean, Trey Turner's the guy that starts it. Um, you know, he struggled back in dc and he's kind of the engine for that offense and you see that Mm -hmm. um, same thing went for a lot of guys they they just they didn't look like the same team that you saw in houston and it was pretty it was pretty shocking you just you felt like it at the time it felt like the falcons blowing the 28 to 3 lead
0: yeah yeah i I think that's a good comparison for it i mean that's you know when when you think back you know it's seven games i mean that's why i love about seven game series and Baseball is different because, I mean, the proximity of the games. But basketball, there's so much time between them, so the storylines really do percolate. But, I mean, even here, it was watching that that just drop off, like day after day after day, which, I mean, you know, that's what we saw, is one of the wildest rides of momentum uh, I can never think back to. Um, all right, we'll do that one later on in the week. Game six and game seven still to come. Those will be on their own. I thought it was good to just just keep one and two together just because of the momentum of it. And then we bridge the gap with, with sticks coming up later in this week. Make sure you guys check out the Locked On uh, MLB podcast as well as the Locked On Fantasy Baseball podcast. Also, to make sure um, you guys use code Locked On for Postmates and Locked On for Built Bar as well too. Both those awesome sponsors uh, of this fair program. We'll talk to you guys next time.